Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Cynthia Wilson, Worship Executive and Director of Liturgical Resources. I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries. And I'm Diana Sanchez-Bouchong, Director of Music Ministries. During this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today's episode will focus on one of the most important elements of creating a healthy discipleship system, a system or a path that helps us rediscover to revisit the reasons why we said yes to following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So we're so very excited to tell you about a resource we wrote as a team over a year ago entitled Forming Disciples Through Worship. We want to share with you uh, how you might use this resource to enhance your particular worship planning experiences and discuss how you can use it with the persons who serve as worship leader participants such as musicians and worship teams, children's choir and dance ministry, liturgists, everyone involved in the execution of worship celebrations in your faith communities. Now, this resource has been written to assist you all in becoming more intentional about the ways that you might approach the worship process as a pathway, as a system, that shapes and forms disciples through worship. And today we invite you into a conversation that closely examines how sermons and music and liturgy all work together to form disciples, which should always be the primary goal of doing worship. So now let's talk about the ways that our planning and our preparation should intentionally Think about a disciple-making, community-engaging movement. But before we dive into the resource, we want to tell you a little bit about our own motivation for this collaborative project. So, So prior to our coming to Discipleship Ministries, Diana, Derek, and I all spent several years serving in the local church. So As an ordained deacon in full connection, my responsibilities in the local church included all things worship. Uh, My appointments ranged from many to medium-sized to mega churches. And in each of those settings, in each of those communities, I was busy focusing on doing and doing and doing. And, and yes, we, we created wonderful programs. However, in, in retrospect, I'm not really sure that we were actually focused on the right things. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I'm really honest this morning, I will admit 
that we were always focused on the how many, mm-hmm. how much, how often, how fast can we get out before noon? Uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm sure none of you listening can identify with any of those questions, right? But but can I say emphatically that my focus was actually on whether or not or how persons actively involved in worship ministries entered and matured in the faith and intentionally moved into a life of faith, a follower of Christ. How was my ministry equipped, really, empowered? How how was it empowering and, and inspiring others to seek after Christ daily, other than Sunday morning at 11 o'clock? The biblical passage that undergirds this resource is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And Matthew says this Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, claiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like a sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. So friends, as pastor, preachers, as ministers of music, as liturgists, as worship leaders and psalmists and liveners of song, We wrote this resource out of our own experiences Mm -hmm. with the hope that we might offer some wisdom to some of you 21st century worship leaders who find yourselves planting and pruning and watering and getting ready for the harvest. Mm. Let's how about if we talk a little bit about how folk might use this resource, again, entitled Forming Disciples Through Worship? Well, I, I, I think you're exactly right, Cynthia, that the, that the oppression of the getting it done mm-hmm. <laughs> and the weekly appearance of Sunday. Sunday rolls around with frightening regularity. We've just got to get stuff done. Comes every seven days, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've got to have we've got to have the pieces in place. We've got to have the people ready and all of that. And so the doing often gets in the way. What this resource can do mm-hmm. is help you take a step back and yes. say, why? Why are we doing all of this? Absolutely. What does it mean? Um, I also have to say, you know, it's a it's a a brief resource. It's a pointer. It raises more questions, I think, than actually yeah. provides answers, because the answers come in the context of the local setting and how your worship team, how your preachers and, and liturgists and all that are going to form all this out. So, mm-hmm. so it's not going to give you all of those details, but it's going to prod and poke and, and ask some larger questions, but also give some hope. Mm-hmm. Like you say, Cynthia, there's always this intention that what we're doing is 
is not just filling the hour on Sunday morning or mm -hmm. Saturday night or whenever it is that we do worship, but that Indeed. we're forming, we're, we're shaping disciples. Right. Of course, worship is always centered on God. It's always about, about offering up our praise, bringing ourselves to God. But the result of that, of coming regularly to worship, is to be shaped. Mm -hmm. And so our question is, what are we shaping? How are we shaping? How are we inviting people into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? How are we, as you say, extending worship beyond just that hour, beyond the benediction, out into the streets and the cities and the towns and the countryside where they live and work and all of that? And so how do we, how do we connect with all of that? So underneath everything we wrote is this idea that says we have an impact that goes beyond just this hour. Our job isn't simply making sure that people are entertained or occupied for that hour, but, right. that, but that they're giving foot, given food and direction and hope and, and, and inspiration to continue to live their life. Mm -hmm. All worship is discipleship building. That's, that's why we gather. We gather to give praise to God so that we can be formed and shaped and and be people who praise uh, God with our whole lives, mm -hmm. with all of our thoughts and our actions and our ideas. And so what we've asked you to do in this resource, as you go through, we kind of take things apart, take the worship experience apart. Mm -hmm. And I've often said when, when I'm teaching about worship and, and I say, when you dissect something, you often kill it. So, so it's hard to, <laughs> to pull the pieces out and forget the whole. Right. So, so you got to remember that, that while we may be reflecting on preaching for the moment or reflecting on the liturgy or reflecting on the music, they all weave together to make, mm -hmm. make the whole that they are. But we, but we invite you to reflect on that, to talk with your preachers about what's going on there. Mm -hmm. How are people being shaped in, in the sermon? And how is a preaching ministry? See, there, there's also a difference between a sermon and a preaching ministry. Mm -hmm. The sermon is the immediate. What are we doing today in this moment? The preaching ministry is what are we doing over time? Mm -hmm. whether, that, whether we think in terms of a series or whether we think in terms of a year, you know, what are we covering and that may be one of the things that the preachers and the worship leaders and, and all of those who go together to put this together, maybe even the, the Sunday school teachers have an input on this. Mm -hmm. What do our people need to know? Where do they need to go? What do they need to explore together in order to round out their understanding of what it means to be a disciple? Discipleship Ministries has lots of resources about forming disciples. And so that maybe somehow they can come together in worship. Uh, and so if you have an intentional discipleship system, then you can look at that system that you've established and say, okay, where are we talking about all these different elements? How are we bringing those together? How are we lifting them up in, in a time of worship? If you don't have yet an intentional discipleship system, then worship can be the means of beginning to ask the questions. What do we need to do in order to grow as disciples? And the truth is, there's not one answer to that question, <laughs> because mm -hmm. in every congregation, no matter how large or how small, there are people in different places and need different things, but we need them together. And so part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to get you to reflect on the congregation, the context of the folks who gather week after week, 
with openness to those who may be dropping in a first time visitor and all of that sort of thing where we're inviting them into the process as well. Mm. And, and that's not ignoring those seekers, as some call them, the, the ones who just show up, right. by focusing on the ongoing discipleship. What we're doing is we're saying to those who may be dropping in for the first time, we're a people who are heading somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we'd love for you to come with us. We'd love for you to be a part of this process. Um, but we've got things to do <laughs> and come alongside and work with us. And, and so we present them as openly as possible with as little jargon as possible. We've got to watch our language when we preach um, and when we lead worship. And by that, I, I don't mean swear words. I mean, where's the <laughs> jargon that we use that, that isn't, doesn't communicate beyond the walls of the church? So paying attention to, to all of that. And so, so together with all of the people who have input into the worship, we, we come out with this idea that says we're, we're creating something together, something corporate. We have a, a goal in mind, a, a purpose in mind with, with all of that. And so we're trying to bring everybody together. This is not plug and play worship. This is not, okay, musicians, you do your music bit. Right. Okay, liturgists, you do your uh-huh. liturgy bit. Okay, preachers, you do your preacher bit. You know, we'll give you each a slot and you fill it. Uh-huh. It's about uh-huh. building something together uh-huh. that is pushing and pulling and inviting the congregation into a, a deeper understanding. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, you know, sometimes when that when we create that kind of uh, worship service with that kind of synergy, it feels a little messy. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and but that's where the creativity gets to bubble and be a part of and be a part of it with the Holy Spirit involved. Uh, so, you know, I, I like things neat and, and, and organized. Yeah. And so thinking music, worship, uh, yeah. preaching, liturgy. But they all have to intersect and it's got to get messy like a painting. It's just got to things have to blend together. And then when that happens, it gets really exciting. Well, you you also have to let go a little bit as a preacher. Mm. You know, I I often struggle with worship teams who wanted to tell me what to preach. I said, wait a minute, that's my job. (laughs) And yet I brought them together to help me understand Mm. what needs to be preached. So you're right. And it can be messy because people are infringing on what we have thought was my space. Mm-hmm. But instead, if we see it as our space, in fact, the whole congregation space, and we are stewarding that space with one another, then, then yeah, it's going to be messy at first. But the result is going to be much more beautiful, much more interactive, mm-hmm. much more, more connected than anything we would do on our own. In fact, that's one of the ways to figure out how we're doing is by asking folks what have they heard what have they experienced you know and there, there's some there's some tools in the book uh, to yes. help them do that yes yes um so I, i'll jump in here um there's a lot of great tools in this book throughout it at the end of each chapter there are um questions take a moment is what it's called and there's usually three or four questions that as a group is reading this together and you know um as we're talking now, I'm just thinking we're we're talking about how worship is so um, overarching in our churches that sometimes it feels like we don't have time to do anything else except plan the next worship right. service yeah. and get ready for it and rehearse for it. And then guess what? Sunday's the next week again. And so 
finding time to do this kind of reflective work is really hard. But you know what? We have Zoom now and everyone has gotten pretty comfortable with Zoom meetings. And so this is something that doesn't have to take up a lot of time, even at the church. This can be done um, via Zoom and take these, take a chapter at a time and then have breakout rooms for this um section at the end of each chapter that's called take a moment and as i said there's questions and um at like i'm right now i have it open to page 43 and it's a the chapter on preaching and it says as you look out at your congregation and think about the faith journey of each person the various stages of growth and discipleship how does your preaching invite disciples to take the next steps mm-hmm. so those are some of those real pointed questions that can you know, that lead us to intentionally plan for our faith community. And that's really helpful. At the end of the book, there's a section called Reflections on Worship. And this is, you know, really where I would begin with um, a group looking into this book together, because it it just brings to mind, um, let's think about our worship experience and, um start talking about it openly and honestly. Uh, One question is, when did you most sense God's presence in your worship, um, in your worship experience? That's a good question, because we're going to find out that it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason we have so many different elements. Some things are visual, some things are movement, some things are, um, you know, reading, some things are listening. And so all of those work together and each person's going to find the way that speaks to them the most. So it's good for us to know what that is. Where did you sense God's presence in the worship service? And did this service seem unified? That's a really good question that we should ask ourselves each week when we have evaluation time. Right. And if it didn't, what was, what, um, why not? What was missing? What what can we do to do do something better? Maybe it, nothing was missing. Maybe it was just the order of things. Right. So those are just really good questions. And then, of course, one that speaks to my heart is how did congregational singing, the music, the arrangement of the space, the visual arts contribute to the worship ex- experience? Um, because Uh, It would be so sad if we didn't have all of those things. And sometimes we don't pay enough attention to those things Mm -hmm. to really uh, unify the whole service. Mm -hmm. And so um, those are some of the things that we have in this book. Also, there's a lot of appendices in the back. And one that I put together was um, similar to ones that musicians are familiar with, and that is Um, a graph of how do you choose music for worship and what are some things that we pay attention to? You know, if you're talking contemporary worship, you've got the, the fast, fast, slow at the beginning, right? The, the things that get people engaged um, singing and, and feeling that worship time together. And then we slow it down so that we really center on the beginning of worship. And then there you go. So that's kind of a formula that we've used Um, In traditional worship, you know, we have opening hymn, closing hymn, the opening hymn is the theme of the day, the closing hymn is the sending out and be in service in the world. And often there's a centering hymn in the middle. So that's a different kind of formula. The formula here in this book is about forming disciples through music. How do we choose the music that points people to Mm -hmm. 
grow in discipleship. Now that's different. That's a different way of looking at um, how we choose elements for worship and particularly uh, music. So be sure and spend time looking at these uh, wonderful indices in the back of the book. Can, can we talk a moment about evaluation again? You, you brought that up, Diane, and I, I think that's so important. If there was one thing that, that I, as a worship leader, a pastor in a local church, neglected was spending enough time on evaluation. Because, mm-hmm. as you say, we're ready for the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in your view, what is the purpose of evaluation? Too often, evaluation is who got it wrong, who messed up. Or, or grading somehow yeah. this was an A worship service or this was a D worship service, um, but it's it's not really about that. What what is the essence of evaluation for you, Diana? Well, for me, um, it's 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 almost an intangible um, uh, feeling of yes. Uh, people were able to focus on the theme of the day and the music did work with the scripture and the sermon. You just know when it's right and you know when it's not. And a lot of times we don't want to admit when it wasn't right, when it didn't quite hit the mark. Um, so that's that's one thing in terms of the music. Um there's also just talking to people. I always had the opportunity as a choir director to talk to the choir the next Wednesday. And we would oftentimes unpack what happened on Sunday mm-hmm. um, from our perspective. And so that was another way of, of thinking about um, having a group of people talk about the worship service. Um, so that's part of the evaluation as well. And that, what that does is there's buy-in to make it even more, um, mm-hmm. more dynamic and, and more intentional and more relevant from everybody, not just the worship leaders. Yeah. In, in, in my context, um, the older members of the church, you would hear them say after the <laughs> service has ended, they, you would hear them say with their hats and their fans and in their hands, they'd say, we had church today. Amen. I love that. You know for sure <laughs> that if, if the older saints of the church say we had church, then you know you might have met, you didn't miss the mark, right? Uh-huh. But you actually made a difference, especially for them. There's a, a, a quote, died and Derek, that, um, that I'm remembering right now. It says something like um, life, life can be understood. Life can only be understood backwards, hmm. but it yes. must but it must be lived forward, right? right. Exactly. It's yes. a matter of looking back so that we know as we move forward what not to do again, you know? Right. The right. Seven, last, seven last words of the church, we never did it that way before. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, though. It's about understanding. It's not about grading. It's not about mm-hmm. blaming. It's about right. understanding. Yes. but also acknowledging that we have an intention that we're yes. here for a reason. And, and I think so often for many people, we're doing worship because it's time to do worship, right. <laughs> not because we have any other goals in mind or any other right. hopes in mind other than, you know, some, some amorphous sense of experience. Right. Yeah. Know, but, but instead, if we say we're trying to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world, mm. then we ask the question, how do we do? You know, right. How do we do in, in making that happen or yeah. enabling people to take the step? Yeah. There's always the reality that says 
it's up to every individual whether they're going to take the step or not. But did we offer the step? Did we make yes. it compelling enough? Mm-hmm. Did we did we show them the next step they might take or or something they might consider or or another opportunity to grow or something like that? What are the connections mm-hmm. uh, that, that we made for people? So well, yeah, and I think in, in the liturgy, it is just so important that we pay attention to what we're asking people to say and sing. Amen. Because as in the prayer that we have for true singing in the hymnal, it says, may what we sing with our lips, may we believe in our hearts. So what we're asking people to say and sing is so important to lead them in um, becoming a, a, a true disciple and becoming, you know, the kind of Christian that goes out and serves the world. Um so that's, yeah, I just want to bring that up. I, I think you're exactly right. Do you ever come out of a movie and you keep saying a line over and over, a line that just stuck out in your mind? Yeah. Well, I think in terms of worship is giving people lines, giving them things to say. Yeah. And the songs, oh, my goodness, my my mom ended up with Alzheimer's, had, had dementia, mm-hmm. and she lost a lot of the knowledge that she had. She was a Sunday school teacher. She was a math teacher. She was an intelligent person. And a lot of that she lost. But one of the things she held on to with the songs mm. because they had the, the singing that she did. She played piano. She sang beautifully. And the singing that she did, brain scientists will say, dug channels in her brain deep enough to even overcome dementia. And she held on to that. When we sing, that's why that's why our words are so important, like you say, Diana, because we are giving people language for the rest of their lives. Yes. And, and our hope is always that in crisis moments or in, in moments of great joy, that what bubbles up is a line from a hymn or a scripture or maybe mm-hmm. even a sermon. Once in a while, preachers can, can say something in such a way that it just resonates with someone. So we're giving them those words. What words have we given people to hold on to, to cling to in in difficult times? And and you've you've heard, those of you listening have heard some words that might not quite be resonating with you. Um, We we use, we kind of throw words like liturgy around, right? And Mm -hmm. words like uh, theology and and the the worship experience is, is fraught with these words. Uh, so, so we want to encourage you also to make sure that you're in touch and in tune with the word disciple. What, what, and discipleship. You know, what does that really mean for us? If we're trying to make disciples, uh, then what is it that we're trying to do? And how do how do our folk how do how would how would that word make sense? for the mm-hmm. choir member who's standing to sing every Sunday. How, mm-hmm. how does this, that word make sense for the person who's greeting or the person who's reading scripture? Uh, what does that word mean? Because at the end of the service, at the end of the day, benediction, you know, that, that really is where the worship life begins in my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we think that uh, the, the discipleship process uh, sort of ends at the benediction, when in fact it actually begins there. That is Amen. the work of worship begins once the benediction is said. Then we go and do, right? The worship has been a doing of worship. And then we move into the world to be light, mm-hmm. to be salt, to be examples, to be Christ, 
to be mm. the hands and the mouth and the and the love of Jesus Christ in the world. And this this resource is sort of gives us all kinds of ways to think about these things. As Derek said, we we offer you more questions probably. The reason for that is. Uh, that all of you are sitting and standing and listening from different contexts. Uh, so these, these ways of being uh, make a difference and they differ from place to place to place. And so we wanted to make sense for where you are and where your people are, the people of your community. The book is entitled, again, Forming Disciples Through Worship using a different lens other than preparation, uh, pre-getting ready for worship. This book is all about the life of worship. And seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we are in a, an attitude of worship. And what does that mean for being a follower of Christ? We're challenging you, those of you who are doing the work of worship, leading the work of worship, we want to challenge you to think about doing that as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and one who ignites that kind of life in the hearts and minds of the folk that we work with week after week after week. We had a ball putting this together for you, especially for you. And, and where, where can they get it, Cynthia? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question <laughs> because we want we want to be sure that when you go to our website, pastors, when you go to to look at a sermon series and ways that you can enhance worship, we want you to look for this resource at our website as well. We want you to make sure that at umcdiscipleship.org. Uh, you just plug in forming disciples through worship uh, and you can take a look at this resource, order it, order it for all of your leaders in your local church, order it for the folk who are doing small groups, order it for the folk who are a part of the praise team and the dance ministry and the person leading the children. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Order it and give that Christmas is coming. This is the gift that will keep on giving. <laughs> Amen. Well, and then, and then after you give it, then create some time to talk about it. You know, yes. come back to intentionality. Now, that's our real goal here to, to think about all that we do, whether it's with children, whether it's with dancers, whether it's with musicians, yes. whether it's the, the whole piece of worship, that we do it with intentionality. And the only way to do that is to think about it and consider it and talk about it with, with one another. So create a space to, to not just say, read this, but let's talk about it. What, what did you hear? What do you think we ought to do? What can we pick up? What can we change in how we go about this process uh, to, to grab hold of some of these ideas? Yes. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We want to finish this time together with you with a, a metaphor that has really been so powerful in my ministry uh, as I have worked with amazing people in local churches. Uh, I want to offer for you the name Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish theologian, a philosopher, uh, 
uh, a poet even. Um, I'm not sure that you would have heard or will hear that name again in regular life, uh, but Kierkegaard was uh, a pretty important figure for me once I learned of the ways in which he uh, offered the, the gift of being a disciple in, of Jesus Christ and particularly as it related to worship. So if you could imagine worship unfolding as a drama, most of you have been to a play or you've seen that this, this whole story unfolding through drama. Kierkegaard suggests that worship is sort of like that drama and there are three uh, entities involved in that drama. One would be those who are actually uh, acting out the script, right? And then there are those who are um, feeding the lines and, and making sure that the actors and the actresses know what it is that they should say. Uh, and then there's the audience. He, and so those three entities are involved now. So if we ask you to tell us who the actors and the actresses is are, what, what would you say? Who, who, who are the folk uh, on stage acting out this drama. Most folk would um, probably say, um, well, I'm not going to speculate. I will just say to you that Kierkegaard uh, reminds us that those who are uh, actually uh, sitting to, to observe what's going on, these actors and actresses, believe it or not, are, who are they, Derek? <laughs> the actors and actors actresses are all the people in the in the congregation. Absolutely. They're the performer. They're the ones doing worship. Absolutely, absolutely. So then they depend on stage hands, right? Right. The stage hands are the preachers. Oh, wait, the... I'm not, wait, don't tell oh, us sorry. that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were wrapping up. It's not Cynthia's story, Derek. Let her yeah, tell. Yeah. Okay, He's such an A student. So the the act the the, the stage the stage hands are, are wearing aprons, right? And wearing hats and gloves, making sure that things are moving along. Who would that be, Derek? I, I'm not really sure now. No, it's the preacher and, and yes. it's the musicians and it is the liturgists, all yes. the people that are there trying to blend into the back. I was a theater major in college. They're trying to bl not be seen yes. so that the real performers can yes. do their worship, but they're yes. there to help, yes. to enhance, to connect and and to encourage the worshipers. So if you are listening and you are one of those persons, put on your apron and your mm -hmm. glove and understand yourself as being unseen and not as uh, uh, conspicuous in the worship experience, but back up and allow the actors and the actresses, the congregation to do their work. But where's the audience, Diana? Oh, oh I know, I know, I know. It's God, <laughs> it's God. It's God. And this resource is pointing you and all of what you do and who you be <laughs> toward heaven, where it is that our audience sits. Everything that we do leads us to God. Disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, moving the world into God's presence. That's really what we're just Amen. to say. So we, as always, we love you for being with us. Amen. And we hope that this has been somewhat helpful to you. Tell us 
write us, make sure that you email, take a moment to email us. And remember that you can find more information and this resource. Uh, you can't see it. They can't see it. Oh, He's holding it up and they can't see it. <laughs> Forming disciples through worship. UMCdiscipleship.org is where you can find it. And we want you to tell us what you think. Send us an email. Tell us uh, whether or not this has been helpful. Tell us how you used the resource. Uh, and give us some hints about what more we could do to help you through your preparation. The worship of preparation is what I like to call it. So until next time, my friends, we're going to be praying for you and for your congregation. And remember, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into God's harvest. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world. God bless you. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.